Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. We're kicking off season three. The trois. Ew, is that what we call it? (laughs) (laughs) What does that even mean? Is that three? Trois is French for the third season. Of? Finest Work Songs. Yeah. French are really specific with their language. I admire that. Yeah. Matt, anything to report since the end of season two? No, I mean, I've essentially just been sitting in a dark room waiting for this season to start up so really not much to to report yeah it was weird when i walked in here and flipped on the lights there you were same clothes <laughs> you may not want to walk in that corner of the room <laughs> that's the bathroom <laughs> right I, in, I, in case you didn't I follow, in case you didn't follow. oh it's good to be back yeah it still feels a little bit like groundhog day mm-hmm. with covid we thought it would be the time to begin season three of finest work songs with school starting back, I mean, I know there are a lot of parents out there who are stressed and they just need a little something to take the edge off. So that, that's what we're here for. <laughs> Matt, for those who are joining us here in season three, what is it we do on Finest Work Songs? We love to take a classic album and just kind of talk about what makes it so great, what makes it so special. Most times it's uh, an album that we both tend to agree is classic or you know, has held up really well. It's not always the case. Sometimes we debate one another or try to convince the other that it's a, a great album but really just an opportunity to talk about really good music you know the memories often attached to that album today we are going to be talking about the connell's fun and games This album has a really special place in my heart and in my CD catalog (laughs) and cassette catalog. And it was my introduction to the Connells. It's an album that I think still holds up extremely well, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. Even even the album cover to this is super iconic to me. Yeah, it, it was inevitable that this would be something we would both really be excited to talk about. This is one of the albums, I would say, that kind of brought us together as friends. Yeah, I mean, if it's not for this album, we're not probably hanging we're out. We're probably mortal enemies. Mortal enemies, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. I was about to stab you with mm. a shiv, and then you, you mentioned this album, and... It stayed my hand. Yep. And besties ever since. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember us being at the Y Guides Mm -hmm. fall outing. You mentioned being an REM fan. Mm -hmm. You said, yeah, I'm a big fan. And I remember thinking like, yeah, well, we'll see about that. Yeah, whatever, jerk. And then Connell's came up and I mentioned being a a huge Connell's fan. And I'm sure you thought, yeah, we'll see about that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. But it really was kind of the next level for us because a lot of people might like R.E.M., but when you find a true Connells fan, mm-hmm. you definitely have something to say. Ooh. Hey. It's not fun and games after oh, that. Hey, wow. We're in it. <laughs> this is not going to be uninspired at all. <laughs> Why don't you take me over there and lay me down? Oh, Ooh, hey. oh shoot. Sorry. Uh, now you're just inside my head. <laughs> As always on Finest Work Songs, we like to start with our memories. So, Matt, why don't you kick us off? What is your memory of the Connell's Fun and Games? I can't remember if it was ninth grade or 10th grade, but I remember being in, <laughs> my memory's so shot. I can't remember if it was chemistry class or biology class. It was a science <laughs> class. There were beakers everywhere. <laughs> there were man, beakers everywhere and chloroform, chloroform? <laughs> chlorophyll. <laughs> no wonder I can't remember. Yeah. It was all that chloroform. My teacher, uh, the classroom was in the basement of his house. I, th- I think it was right before like Thanksgiving break or something like that. And, and my friend John Snipes handed me a cassette and he was like, you know, I know you like 
REM and things like that. I think you'll enjoy this. And it was the Connell's Fun and Games. I think we were going out of town to visit relatives and being in the back of the car with the Walkman, you know, mm-hmm. and headphones. And it was like something I hadn't really heard before, you know, mm-hmm. even, though, even though it was in that you know, college rock vein. Yeah. You know, the Connells are more poppy than that, than you're just the standard, you know, college alternative band that was at the time where you just dive into like liner notes and you're reading like who are these people and all this stuff and and you for me you growing up an hour from raleigh reading that these guys were based in raleigh and all this stuff was just kind of like whoa this is pretty cool i mean because rem kind of showed a lot of folks from the south that you could be a southern band and stay in the South. It didn't mean you had to do Southern rock and right. country and all that. And the Connells just took it to an even more micro level that you could stay in, in North Carolina. You could stay in Raleigh and, mm-hmm. and make a living as a band. And ninth, 10th grade, that was probably something I thought I wanted to do. So definitely jumped out at me for that. But yeah, immediately, I mean, I think on that that Thanksgiving trip, I mean, that was all I listened to was, was this album continuously. Yeah. What about you? What's your, what's your memory of, of Fun and Games? My memories also date back to high school. It's a formative time. There are people that have a profound impact on your life, and my memory is related to this one person. I was entering my senior year, and I went to an all-male, extremely elite prep school (laughs) up in the Northeast. You know, high stakes, high Mm -hmm. pressure. Mm -hmm. Things were really straight-laced there. And so you can imagine my surprise when I had a new English teacher Mm. who was really encouraging us to make our lives extraordinary. And this guy was super inspiring. You know, he'd have a stand on our desk. Mm. We're ripping out the introduction to poetry books. He's just teaching us to be Mm nonconformists. We even found out our teacher had been in this secret club Mm. and uh, he told us all about it. And so we picked that secret club up and it was crazy. We would go to a cave and read poetry, you know, typical high school craziness. And Oh yeah, who does it? Yeah. This guy... He's changing our lives. Mm-hmm. He's enabling my friend to be an actor. He's enabling this guy to have just the confidence to go talk to girls. And one of the guys in the club even wrote a school article demanding that girls be allowed into the school. And that's when things started going downhill because the headmaster saw that our nonconformity was threatening the status quo. So he, he brought my friend in and paddled him. Ooh. And my friend caved and sold us out. So the headmaster's trying to get us all to throw this guy under the bus. And when my turn came, I I was left with a choice. Do I stand true to the principles this teacher had instilled in me, changing the course of my life forever? Or do I, do I look out for myself and sell them out? So I sold them out and, uh, yeah, but it was kind of neat because the headmaster was now our English teacher. And Mm -hmm. as our old teacher came in to collect his belongings, to show him all the lessons that he had instilled in us, we all stood on our desks and started yelling things. I could tell that he was touched, but he still got fired because of us. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, good try. Yeah, but hopefully he felt a little bit warm on the yeah, way out. Right. You know? My heart was torn, and I just said, well, well, how do we reach you? And he just said, well, I'll just be staying in a nearby motel until I figure something out. And before I could get the name of the motel, my friend was like, bro, motel is that <laughs> sick track off that dope new album, Fun and Games, by the Connells. Have you heard it? And I was like, bro. And I don't know, the teacher left. But we started like getting all pumped about that album. Yeah, man. That's when my friend introduced me to the kind of funny game. So that's, that's how boys at all male Northeastern elite prep schools talk. That's what that English teacher instilled in us. Yeah. What Bro you, culture. I mean, you, 
you don't you don't even remember his name. Nah. But for a blip there, he inspired yeah. you. But until you got distracted by yeah. funny games, he had us stand on the desks and take our shirts off and shotgun beers <laughs> and be like, "Bruh!" <laughs> Looking back, no wonder the headmaster came yeah, out probably, of there. They probably had it coming. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that teacher. I mean, he, he sounds like. He wasn't like a, just a renaissance man. He was like a bicentennial man. Oh, yeah. And he really got you guys to sort of think outside, like, you know, the birdcage of your mind a little bit. <laughs> and got you thinking about, you know, what dreams may come yeah. in your lives. Yeah. So. Nicely done. Thanks. Is this the third time Robin Williams it's has It's like come third up? or fourth because we've done Mrs. Doubtfire. Jumanji. Goodwill Hunting. It's number so four. I'm really making you reach for some <laughs> yeah, deep cut right. Robin Williams movies. Bicentennial man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was almost to the point where I was like, how do I work in the Don't Worry, Be Happy video? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, for real, though, I, I had a similar memory. When I was in seventh grade, my friend Sam, who had a cousin in North Carolina, brought me fun and games. It was funny to me because Sam was into metal. Hmm. And so, was he a grit? Well, kind of. Yeah, he was kind of a grit okay. in that sense. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know what a grit is, mm-hmm. it's kind of a regional term for metalheads mm-hmm. up in parts of Virginia. And we talked about that on our Injustice for All <laughs> epipod. Man, that was a really spot on James Hetfield. Thanks. Course. I've been practicing during COVID. <laughs> a lot of people are working on new hobbies or like learning skills. I'm working on my James you're just, Hetfield. You're just talking to your family. Eat your cereal. <laughs> Go to bed. Okay, daddy. <laughs> Similar to you, though, something about the Connells really stood out. I would have to say that if there was one album that defined high school, it's fun and games. Mm. With my friends and I, even people from other schools that I met, going to their concerts, following and obsessing over this band. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a great catalog, mm-hmm. but I think you and I would agree, as we'll get into, that this is a classic album. Yeah. Like you, it's such a big part of high school and growing up, but it's it's also has stayed with me uh, even all these years. Cause, oh, yeah. Because it's so, it's so good. Well, let's get started. The album begins with Something to Say.
If you're new to the Con Owls, this is a good introduction. It has some of the elements that make them unique. Mm -hmm. I think the first thing I noticed was George Huntley's guitar playing. He's lead guitarist, and he's got this style where these single notes are playing this melody that serves the lyrics, and it often is playing at the same time as the lyrics, but yeah. it doesn't overshadow them. It's not mm -hmm. like, you know, a blues guy just like <laughs> riffing over God, while someone's God. singing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But he's got these little melodies that work with the vocal melody. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is the thing that stood out at first is George's single note guitar playing. That's something that jumped out at me, too, is it's a, essentially two guitar, bass, drum, mm -hmm. band, but it's not just you know, the, the two guitars playing the same thing together it's, right it's, it's you've got these very complimentary sounds it's a straightforward pop song mm -hmm. but you've got these little things that george is doing that extends it beyond just that that's one of the sort of magic things about the connells is that they're able to have these parts that interplay without feeling busy it's still a pop song yeah rarely overdone overwrought overproduced there are albums that you hear and you think oh this is the 80s yeah boylan heights feels very mm -hmm. of the time mm -hmm. one simple word definitely feels produced mm -hmm. of the time. Yeah. But there's something about the production on this that's pretty simple and clean. The primary producer, Gary Smith, had produced The Pixies, mm -hmm. 10,000 Maniacs, Throwing Muses, like a lot of bands of that time. And even those bands that I just mentioned, they're not known for a super polished right. production right. or overly produced. Mm -hmm. it's, I feel like this guy's pretty good at capturing the essence of the band capturing the live sound of the band yeah because yeah. it, it, it you know does sound very true to what this band sounds like in concert i don't know if this is one that they opened a lot of concerts with i could see it being a good show opener because it's also a good sing-along song especially yeah. when you get to that chorus and you know they still play some today and and you know, when they play this song, I mean, particularly the people who go back with them to that time still love to belt out that chorus. Yeah. You know. Not just great melodies, but very singable. This is another one of those songs I've talked about before where as a young guitar player, to a degree, pick up those little George Huntley parts here and there and feel like I was like a lead guitarist. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strong opening track. And then uh, the second track is the album title track, and that's Fun and Games.
this song became one of the most popular songs mm-hmm. and that beginning intro would allow for a time of the audience freaking out and cheering <laughs> for yeah. like 15 seconds before the singing kicked in. So mm-hmm. people are just like, yeah, yep. yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, they're doing fun games, oh, they're doing fun games. It gives you time to prepare to start singing along yeah, at the very right. beginning. I think commercially, you know, their, their biggest hit is 74, 75, mm-hmm. a few years later. But among fans, it's got to be like a close second, if not the most iconic Connell yeah. song. Mm-hmm. This was a song that like we would play in our bands like mm-hmm. growing up and no, stuff. Wait, 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 wait. Yep. No. <laughs> oh, Listeners, I'm so excited. <laughs> Over the year that we've been doing Finest Work songs, we continually... Peel back the onion. Yeah. And find out about Matt's high school bands. Mm-hmm. So we, we need a refresher here. And yep. so uh, let's see. Uh, was this technical difficulties? No, it was not. Okay. Was this still life? It was not. No? Yeah. Uh, troubleshooter? Not troubleshooter. <laughs> uh, surely the Funkadelic Chipmunks did not play this. Twas not the Funkadelic Chipmunks. So there's more? There's one more. And it was actually a college <laughs> band. <laughs> All uh, right. The name of that band was Safety. Which, oh. was, which is named for a fart game. Have you ever played Safety? <laughs> no. Where if you if you, you know, expel gas, you had to grab a doorknob. But if someone said safety before you did that, they got to punch you repeatedly in the shoulder. That's such a college game yeah. and college idea that yeah. you'd name your band name safety. Name your band after yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we would play this one combined with hits of that time. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing like white zombie songs that were you would hear on like MTV and on the radio. What white zombie songs were hits at that time? Thunder Kiss 65 was one we would do. Would you do this intro on your acoustic too? <laughs> no, I, I played bass on this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. That sounds familiar. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Playing the freshman orientation <laughs> right over there <laughs> on that picnic table. Yeah, well, pretty much. <laughs> I kind of remember that, but yeah. I also kind of remember like switching the station. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, so, you know, so we, we did this one show behind our dorm yeah. at NC State, and obviously it was a free concert. But, <laughs> you know, we're back there on the back deck playing, and you know, we sort of front loaded the set list with more palatable songs because we knew like potentially parents would be there. Okay. Our lead singer, Chase, and he won't get mad at me for telling this story, but Chase had kind of warned his parents, like, you know, you guys need to leave after, you know, this song. You know? <laughs> and and so you know, they leave, they sort of walk through the dorm like they're leaving or whatever. Yeah. And then that's when we start playing like things like that. And I think we even had like a couple Rage Against the Machine songs. Oh, man. In there. It was totally of the times, yeah. except for Fun and Games. And Fun and Games was sort of a, a deep cut, you know. Yeah. There were so many like attempts at a good like rock show that we did. And in fact, at one point, one of the other guitarists, Jeff Stevenson, at the end of the show, throws his guitar out into the crowd. Oh, wow. And it landed like in some mud. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was great. It was great. You know, it was, you know, we, we thought we were like so awesome. Oh, yeah. You know? But so, you know, fun and games, you know, definitely made it into my band's repertoire at some point. I'm thinking about how a Rage song sounded, mm. you know, with mm-hmm. kind of poor amplification. Oh, yeah. Drums aren't mic'd. Playing against like a big brick building. <laughs> yeah. Projecting out over like fields. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it had to sound just really, really good. <laughs> it was awesome. I remember people yelling at us from like up in the upper halls. Right. And tell us to shut up. We would play that one. And another song that we would play is this next one. 
I think to this day, when I pick up a guitar, we'll start playing I that. start playing this beginning. Hey, this how you sure are crazy. This isn't a super fast song. It's not high energy song. Right. But this is a huge crowd favorite. Yeah. And people went nuts when they would play this song. Yeah. I mean, I remember people shouting for them to play Sal. That's right. Sal. Like, right. <laughs> you're like, shouting Sal. Like such yeah. an odd name choice. Like, yeah. Sal. Play Vito. <laughs> play Vito. Play Donnie Boy. <laughs> play Mark Anthony. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of Italian names. I mean, play Julius Caesar. <laughs> Play the Godfather soundtrack. <laughs> but Sal. Like, I wonder if Sal is or was a real person. It had to be. Yeah. You don't make up a Sal. Yeah, that's true. Think. So far, we've had the first song's written by Mike. Mm-hmm. Second song is Mike and Doug. And then the third song is George Peel and a guy not even in the band at the time. Different than most bands where there's only one songwriter. And, yep. and Mike would be the primary songwriter. But yeah. on several of the albums, there's multiple songs by George Huntley. And he even sings this one. Man, a lot of talent in this band. And over the course of you know, really diving into the Connells, I mean, you definitely hear differences between the George songs and the Mike songs. And Yeah. And it also seemed like a very collaborative thing. I always appreciated when we talk about R.E.M. a lot, but we always appreciated that they were like, you know, we're going to put Barry Buck Mills type on yeah, every song. Right. No matter who wrote what. But I also love the fact that you open up the notes of a Connell's album and you've got like Mike Connell wrote this one, George Huntley wrote this one, yeah. Doug McMillan and Mike Connell wrote this one. You know, it seemed much more collaborative and of like a band mindset than mm-hmm. a lot of other bands were doing at that time. Yeah. You start to notice too with the George songs that the lyrics feel different. Mike Connell's writing is is very literary. Mm-hmm. And sometimes borderline nebulous. Like, the, yeah, you're, that, you're that's not it. really sure what, you, what he's singing about or talking about. It starts with, oh, you never learned the wins and where's and why's. Yeah. And I still believe that you were dying to be everything. I mean, he's telling a story, but you really have to try and interpret that story mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Whereas Sal is about Sal. Yeah. You know? He's great with the ladies. <laughs> and he's crazy. He's you know, crazy. He loves to have a ball. Love um, it. So George oftentimes more paints a picture versus Mike saying something like, don't ask me what I think of this. I only think of that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. but it makes a nice dynamic mm-hmm. and it makes it to where you could just sing along and have a great time. I mean, honestly, isn't that kind of like the gist of like what makes a great pop song a great pop song is that you're just kind of escaping in the moment. He said in one interview that I found years ago that he didn't feel comfortable writing optimistic lyrics. Mm. He said, if the lyrics were as nice or sweet as the melodies, it would be too much. There would be no rough edges. Hmm. I mean, it's true. You start yeah. to take some of the bright poppiness and the jangle of these mm-hmm. albums, and you add in just like sunshiny lyrics. And puppies. And, and... Yeah, puppies. <laughs> yeah, might... I mean, there's so many songs about puppies. Yeah, it'd get a little too cheesy. Yeah, three songs in, and these are three hugely iconic crowd favorite songs. Yeah. And the next one is as well.
song, almost more than any other, takes me back to seeing them live in Norfolk, this place called The Boathouse. Mm-hmm. I just can picture Doug, who is such an interesting front man. Yep. I mean, at the time he had these sideburns when people weren't wearing sideburns <laughs> and his hair was up. You know, mm-hmm. and he's got these round glasses. Doug is a strangely unique front man. Yeah. He's not the best dancer in the world. Sure. He would do these strange little, like, soliloquies in between songs. Yeah. I remember seeing them in concert one time, and for whatever reason, he starts singing, like, the theme to Harris Teeter Grocery Store. <laughs> you know, and it was like, and then people were like, yeah, I know that song, you know, and like. This song, you know, he's got opportunities to kind of yell a little yeah, bit, yeah. And, which in turn allows us to yell and yep. we're kind of weirdly moshing mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you right. know? Yeah. like and the energy of this one i think mm-hmm. captures their live show mm-hmm. so well all the guys dress so normal yeah uh, you know they just seem like normal dudes up there such an interesting band mm-hmm. you've got these two brothers who clearly are brothers yeah, right. you know <laughs> they're always near each other right they're always right. beside each other yeah mike always tended to have this look like i can't believe I get to do this. Yeah. You know, David always looked serious, like he was really paying attention to you know, making sure he did it right. And then you've got this lead guitarist who at the time had long hair, yeah. wearing a ponytail. Looked the most like a rock star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you've got an African-American drummer right. who's got these also really cool round glasses. Right. So they had a unique look, but they also were so approachable. Yeah. The first time that we went to see them, we go over to what was called Waterside which was just right across from the boathouse. It was kind of a weird mall, but we just went over there to grab something beforehand and we saw the band. At the Orange Julius? <laughs> no, at the Sbarro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that was my yeah. second guess. Yep. And so they're there eating and we're, and we're over there congregating. Lurking. Like, yeah, lurking and just creeping and wondered if we could go up and get their autograph. I'm pretty sure that David was the first one that we went up to. And I remember being just nervous about yeah. that, thinking, man, I'm interrupting their dinner. Yeah. All of us were floored by how kind mm-hmm. but also just how normal they seemed yeah they just seemed like dudes not put out by kids yeah asking for the autograph but right. they just talked to us for a little bit after that every time they came to the boathouse we went to waterside <laughs> to try and find them oh that's far again. yeah you bring up a good point because that was another thing about what made them appealing to people was you watch them on stage and you thought oh, i could do that they're not like overly showmanship and they're not kiss up there right. you know, they're five good guys doing what they want to do and having fun doing it yeah And next, we have another George song, and this is Motel. There isn't room in the end The keeper wouldn't be my friend I could tell in his eye He'd never change his mind Is this a Christmas song? There's no room in the end. Yeah. George did kind of look like Jesus with that long hair. <laughs> Autobiographical. <laughs> or he was Jesus' dad, Joseph. It's from that perspective. And he says, the keeper wouldn't be my friend. It's not that he won't be your friend. There's no room, you know? And also in the Jesus, Joseph, and Mary story, it's like there wasn't room in the end. Oh, you mean innkeeper? She's pregnant. I, 
there's just not room. Like, like you only make the Thompsons move over. Yeah, and make room for you. Right, they made the reservations yeah. months ago. Months ago. Yeah, they're Hilton Rewards members. Yes. Sorry, Joseph. <laughs> it's your fault for not making reservations. Yeah, right. Uh, every time we have an epipod coming up, you know, I'll Google stuff mm-hmm. and look for interviews and, and things. And when I looked up this song related to the Connells, there is a Connells motel in Australia. <gasps> One of the reviews that I read talked about how the front desk service was not Ooh. up to par. So did George write this? <laughs> Keeper wouldn't be my friend. Yeah, G Huntley. He had such a bad experience that he wrote it into a song to be immortalized. <laughs> this is another one. I remember people, Yelling for them to play Motel. Yeah. It's not what you think of when you think of like live concert rock song, but people no. love the song. They do. Well, the sing along continues with this next one, which is Hey Wow. jumps out at me um, with this song you know the more and more I listen to it over the years is the rhythm section mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier you, you you see David Connell in concert and he's kind of keeping his head down he's serious he's paying attention to what's going on and to me he's like just such an underrated bassist um, oh my gosh yeah. and and you really hear it like in this this song I mean like it's such a melodic bass part it's like another vocal part flowing through this song first what you're going to hear when you listen to a song you're Primarily going to hear Doug's vocals, mm-hmm. the the vocal melody, and then you're going to hear George's guitar, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like often it's like yeah. he's over there doing his thing. And then over time, you find what you're singing along with mm-hmm. is that bass line. Mm-hmm. He's the perfect bassist for the Connells, mm-hmm. and not just because of his name, <laughs> but <laughs> it helps. Yeah, it does. <laughs> to have a band that has a strong sense of melody with the vocals, mm-hmm. we can sing along to every single song. Mm-hmm. And then to have the melodic lead lines of George Huntley, Mm -hmm. you would think there's not room for any more melody. And so that he's able to do that and yet still be in the pocket with Peel, who is such a great rock drummer, Mm -hmm. especially Peel's use of the toms. Mm -hmm. I mean, the dude's not afraid to play the toms and Mm -hmm. it just sounds great with his builds and his fills. You would think that they would just have to have some sort of very simple vanilla type rhythm section Mm -hmm. because there's all that going on with George and and with the vocal lines and everything. But no, they're able to keep things really interesting. And if I remember correctly, I mean, I think David didn't start playing bass till he was in college. At this point, he's still pretty new to it. Wow. Uh, Which is... Hey, wow. Hey, wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, how they wrote this song. (laughs) Wait, you just started playing bass a few years ago? Hey, wow. Uh, (laughs) And maybe that plays into it. Maybe it's like... Do you think about someone like you know Paul McCartney who went to bass but started out playing guitar and yeah. so has a sort of a melodic mindset? I mean, maybe not sort of being you know, quote unquote schooled in how to play bass resulted in in this more melodic bass playing. But I always find myself leaning into the bass and the drums and mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of their songs. His bass playing continues to be the secret weapon, I think, mm-hmm. throughout all of their albums. So one time the Connells came, and this is after Ring was released. They were signing autographs at a record store. My friends and I drove down there. And of course, I'm hoping they remember me from the yeah, food court. Sure. No such luck. But they were still very kind. I asked one of them if they were going to play Lay Me Down yeah. <laughs> at the show. 
So here they are. They've just released a new album, right. chock full of rock songs, mm-hmm. a library of energetic yep. hits. And I'm asking, hey, are you going to sing that beautiful sappy song <laughs> that I put on mixtapes for girls? <laughs> Will you? One of them leaned down to George, who was at the end of the table, and just said, hey, George, are we going to play Lay Me Down tonight? Looking back, they're so nice, but it's clear that that's probably like an inside joke. Hey, what do you think? Or should we do that one? And probably George is thinking like, we're never going to do that one. <laughs> but I remember my friends were like, dude, if they play Lay Me Down, it's because you asked for it. So the whole night we're like, Lay Me Down! Lay Me Down! You know, and they're probably like, ah, oh, this freaking nerd. Sing to me sweetly as I turn sour Lay me down remembering that the wind and the rain played a part in that dreadful hour. Well, if you had been at the Methodist Youth event in Fayetteville, North Carolina in like 1996, 97, uh-huh, uh-huh. you would have heard a version of that song. Nice. Me and my friends Michael and Chris Daniel. And then another guy, and I cannot remember who he was, who we met there that week. There was like an end of the event talent show. Yeah. And that's the song we played. Because <laughs> we played Lay Me Down. Three acoustic guitars, a couple of guys singing. Um, I didn't did not sing. I remember it very clearly because there was this girl that was there and we uh-huh. had been like kind of eyeing each other all week but, you know, i was incredibly shy would never like actually talk to anybody yeah she and her friends were sitting on the front row while we played oh, it man i remember her like taking a picture and her friends were like giggling what? Was, yeah it was like the one like quote-unquote rock star moment i ever had yeah <laughs> it's funny that we both have like funny strange memories about lay me down of all the songs yeah on this album well that one stood out it was yeah. a great closer yeah but also you're thinking like oh I could put this on a mixtape. This shows I'm... I'm sensitive. Yes, and moody. (laughs) (laughs) For your Smith's loving self. That's right. Fit right in. Oh, yeah. All right, so Matt, the elephant in the room. As Connell's fans, it seemed like the trajectory of this band was limitless. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what we thought was, was going to happen. When Ring came out, the video for Slack Jawed, I stayed up and watched it on 120 minutes mm-hmm. and got so excited because like, there they are. Mm-hmm. They're on MTV. This is yep. happening. And it didn't. Not in the way that we thought it should. And so it's not even that they did anything wrong. It's just, what the heck is wrong with America? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't even get me started. <laughs> was it that or, you know, as we've talked about before with the other bands, is it just a weird timing thing where... They followed this up with one simple word, which was big. I mean, I, I remember reading, I think even like Rolling Stone album reviews of theirs. Yeah. They were sort of on, like you said, on this trajectory and they were lumped in with really big, well-respected, but also commercially successful bands. Yeah. One simple word had some hits. I felt like it was the appropriate next step. Mm-hmm. And you're right. And then Ring comes out and... You know, 74, 75 is huge all over Europe. They're still playing like the late night talk shows and playing live on MTV. And they're playing, you know, stadiums and festivals in Europe. But I also wonder if it was, you know, so when when Ring comes out, grunge is still big. Smashing Pumpkins is huge. Green Day is big. You wonder if they just got kind of caught in the crosshairs of what else was going on in mainstream rock. Yeah. And just couldn't break through the noise, if you will. Yeah, it could be. Even back then, as a Connells fan, you heard about the frustrations with TVT Records. With a different label, could things have gone differently? They were definitely seemed to be hamstrung with TVT Records. Yeah. At mm-hmm. one point, even trying to, I think, sue them, trying to get out of their contract. Yeah. And I, and I think for a while, it was hard to find old 
copies of their albums. Oh, wow. Because of this. And hey, wow. <laughs> so it could be just a combination of things. And was it really a regional thing? If I'd grown up in the Pacific Northwest, like, is there a, a, an equivalent of the Connells? And I'm sure there is. Right. You know, up right. there. Or are there people like in Chicago saying the same thing? Like, man, how did the Connells not get any bigger? Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it seems to be a mystery to me. Mm -hmm. But it's also a mystery to me because I'm so emotionally invested That's in, right. in it. Listeners, one thing we like to do on Finest Work Songs is challenge each other. If we had to remove a song, which song would it be? So Matt, you really want to chat them up at the food court, and they are not going to give you the time of day unless you take a song off Fun and Games. And so if you had to remove a song, mm -hmm. which one would it be? I love, love, love every single song on this album. There's no right answer to this question. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But if I had to remove a song, it would probably be Uninspired. The one song where kind of the guitar noodling that's going off on the side start to get repetitive to me. I lose interest in that one okay. probably quicker than the others. I still love it. I mean, I still think yeah. it's a great song. But yeah, if I was going to get the Heisman from talking to the Connells at the food court <laughs> while I'm sipping my Orange Julius, if I'd have to take a song off, it would be it would be that one. Okay. What about you? I am going to cheat a little bit. Oh, and I know where you're going with this. by that, I mean that, you know, you and I first had the tape of fun mm -hmm. and games. And then when you got the CD, mm -hmm. there's a bonus track on there. So that's when we were introduced to the song fine tuning. Which is a good song, mm -hmm. and I like it. But because I had already gotten used to the album, even to this day, however many years later, mm -hmm. it still feels like the new song right, to yeah, me. Yeah. And so because of that, I cannot take a song off this album. If I had to, it would be fine-tuning. Matt, I think that for you and I, this is a flawless album. Mm -hmm. It has such deep memories and emotions attached to it, and I could play it over and over again till I die. Really do think that this is an album that... If I handed to someone who had never heard the Connells in 2020, they would hopefully like it as much as, as you and I do. Well, thanks folks for joining us today. Matt, if people want to get in touch, what can they do? Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Finest Work Songs. Check out our website, finestworksongs.com. You can check us out on Facebook as well. Also, let us know what albums you'd like for us to talk about in future Epipods. As you know, this is an election year. So until next time, remember to vote Finest Work Songs. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music. 